This is Top Floor, episode 58. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 58. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast right up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Craig Sullivan's career in real estate titles took a turn for the better when he specialized in hospitality, handling sales, refinancing, and construction loans for a variety of hotel projects. Craig shifted into development, working for two different hotel companies before striking out on his own. After a prickly experience listening to hotel investment conference speakers bemoan the state of hospitality in the state of California, Craig took matters into his own hands, founding the California Lodging Industry Conference in 2016. In addition to running the Click Conference, Craig is a podcaster and has recently launched a new show called California Craig, in which he explores his backyard, sometimes quite literally. Today, Craig and I are going to talk about the misperceptions of doing business in California and a particularly controversial ballot initiative. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Rupesh. Here is what Rupesh has to say. I have an idea for a new type of industry event. So I have a two-part question. Okay, so we got two questions. You're getting a special two-for-one deal here, Craig. Are there too many hotel conferences already is part one. And then part two is what should be my first step? You know, no big deal. Just help Rupesh plan out a new conference. What do you think? Are there too many already? I think there's too many multi-day conferences. When I launched Click, it was always with the intent of having a mixer the night before and a one-day event. There's just way too many. And I never wanted to compete with Jim Butler and Meet the Money because I feel, still feel to this day that that was the best debt and equity hotel conference for hospitality on a national basis. And I certainly did not want to compete with Harry Javer and Liz Wolf and the lodging conference. That's the best national overall conference. Um, There's some others that I won't name that, ah, you know, if I go, I go. If I don't, I don't. So I think if you go regional, like I did, I think, I think that's the way to start. Now, whether you want to do something that's on for your state level or a county level, or a regional, a little bit regional, not the the entire state, I think that would be the way to go. You've also got to be really good at planning and execution. Gotcha. What about a first step for starting a conference? First step, uh, this is what I did. I got 10 or 12 industry leaders into a room. 
called them each separately, talked to them, had a date and a time, and the stars lined up and everybody committed. Then I sent them individual calendar invites because I didn't want anybody positioning or jockeying and going, well, so-and-so's coming, I'm not, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> well, so nobody had an idea what this meeting was about. We met in my conference room and we came up with the name of the conference. And six months later, we had the very first one. So speaking of firsts, what was your very first job? Oh, my gosh. Um, It was either as a dishwasher or I was pumping gas when you still had full service gas stations. It was one of the two. But I'm really leaning more towards pots and pans and dishes. And I said, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, my buddy's father owned a, an Arco station, and I went to work for them. They also had a AAA uh, affiliation, so they had the tow trucks there. So I got to work on my cars at night when I was off, and yeah, it was really kind of beneficial. When I was growing up, my mom would go anywhere out of her way if they had somebody to pump the gas versus her having to get out. That's like one of her pet peeves of life is having to pump her own gas. I mean, she would go the most annoying route just to have someone pump the gas and clean the windshield off for her. So you started your career at North American Title as a loan representative, essentially promoting the company to banks and other loan lending companies. Correct. Ultimately, specializing in hospitality as an asset class and eventually becoming vice president, running the National Hospitality Group. Correct. Created it, yeah. After 13 years, you left the title business to take on a development role at a couple different hotel companies, which I would consider going from the dark side to the light side, but I don't know how you feel. What drove that move to the hotel side? You know, it was a lot of different things. I had spent 38 years in title insurance and my career was winding down. I wasn't fulfilled like I was in the creation part of it. I put together an amazing team. Uh, We were the first ones to within the title insurance industry to create a hotel practice within a commercial group. And we did deals all over the country and all, you know, some outside of the country. And I just had the best team ever. And, you know, the financial meltdown happened and made it through that. We went from roughly as as our California offices, we had over 500 employees and we shrunk down to less than 150 during the financial. Whoa. and, And the mantra was, you will do more with far less. And I got rather tired of that. And, you know, I had outgrown it. I I wanted to start doing deals and be on the other side. I'd already started doing some investments with some of my friends and clients. And it was it was time to move on. And I had done everything and exceeded my expectations. Uh, I'd helped underwrite and close nearly $25 billion worth of transactions. No, no big deal. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> It was time to move on. And it was, you know, it was great. And 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 starting over again and being in that creative space again. And, you know, 
finding yourself lost in the woods and trying to you know get your way out of that and the nuances of the the franchise agreement various other things that i i got exposed to and got to figure out and work on and and you know i've always said the hospitality clients are the best of the best when it comes to commercial real estate you know your better owner operators understand that it's a two-part transaction it's a cash business 24-hour rental and it's a real estate play so you know you you marry those two things and then you throw in the entertainment factor with you know a boutique hotel or a big fat full service hotel or a destination resort you know it's it's a really great industry to be in and you know, one of the things with Click to give back to the industry, we're helping with scholarship programs with our trade organizations. A percentage of our gate goes there. So you don't have to go to Wall Street, okay? You can have a career in hospitality. <laughs> All right. So speaking of a career in hospitality, if somebody gave you a hotel with no financial strings attached, it's a gift. It's Got yours. It. But all you have to do is run the hotel. After all the years that you spent putting together deals, do you think that you picked up enough about the operation to keep a hotel in business? That's a great question. On my own, no. Interviewing the staff, see what their hopes, dreams, and aspirations are how they want to grow the business themselves, how they want to grow themselves within the business and assembling a team second to none, then yeah, I, I believe it. I, you know, I don't like, I never micromanaged, okay? It, I didn't believe in meetings where I could do a memo, okay? And most of the things you see today, you know, meeting-wise, they could have been in an email. So why suck the life out of everybody with these meetings that go nowhere. Yeah. So if you can put the team together, then yeah, absolutely. I'd also, you know, since I got it for free and I'm guessing that it's not a brand new shiny. <laughs> Who knows? You know, I mean, eh, let's, let's take the flip side of that coin and say it isn't. And it needs some TLC. Um, I love working with the designers and the architects and all the other third parties that you work with to bring that hotel to life, to make that box special, to make those rooms shine, have those public spaces just the best when everybody walks in. So yeah, we built a uh, boutique hotel up in Northern California. We were the management arm on it. We were involved with uh, the construction and, and the design. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And, do that and listen to everybody's input. Now, I'm not going to put in $10,000 speakers, you know, in the lobby bar. That just isn't going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, you can put in a good sound system and, you know, get a you know really nice ambiance and add to that some lighting and a few other things and, you know, and, and put the right amenity packages into the room, you know. So, yeah, I think I can do that. Okay. There is a perception that it is significantly more difficult to operate hotels in California than in any other state. Why are you shaking your head? Why is that not accurate? You know, I don't know that it's purely inaccurate. I think it's very ambiguous. 
I don't think we have any more challenges than you have in New York City or Washington, D.C., various other areas. We do have a uniqueness in California. We are highly regulated. And if you look at Manhattan and various other areas in the top 25 markets, you're going to find that they are as well. Chicago. Now, I happen to like clean air and clean water, and I remember when it was really clean. So, And California coastal real estate is an asset that cannot be replaced. So if it is damaged and it is polluted, everybody suffers. Agriculture is the number one industry in the state of California. I know a lot of people don't realize that. I definitely didn't realize that. We've been the breadbasket for America for, I want to say, from the 50s forward. Um, You know, agriculture is huge here. You know, so that's huge water uh, drain, you know, because we have to grow crops, we have to feed cattle, and and 90% of our water actually goes to agriculture. And (laughs) maybe not be that high, but let's use that number for the sake of argument. Hospitality, travel, and tourism. Last time I checked, it was well over a $60 billion a year industry just in California. You know, we're definitely in the top five. Do you think that people's perception is driven by the idea that labor is more difficult in California? Uh, You know, that's certainly part of it. But, you know, labor has been difficult item for everybody across the board. I think COVID accelerated it, but if you look at New York and DC, uh, even Miami, you know, Honolulu, the whole state of Hawaii, you know, it runs on two things, the military and tourism. Okay. That's it. You know, so I think we've all had our share of problems. And I also think, that, you know, part of the reason for that is that we have not done a very good job messaging in decades in recruiting people that this can be a career. You look at some of your very best owner operators, management companies, you've got people like Chris Green and Tom Gachet that both started out as hourly associates and now running two of the best management companies in the nation. So they get it. That's always in the back of their head. They're always looking to promote from within. They're looking to push that career acceleration and get people into positions that not only works for the company, but works for them. And we just haven't done a good job of that. That's why I think, you know, well, that was one of the major factors for giving back to our trade associations and their scholarship programs. All right. I have to shift gears because there is a particularly controversial ballot initiative right there in your neck of the woods in Los Angeles. And so for the sake of brevity, I'm going to level set and explain it as briefly as I can. And then you can let me know if I get anything wrong. Essentially, as I understand it, Unite Here Local 11, which is the union that covers hotel employees in LA County, proposed an ordinance that unsold hotel rooms, so rooms that were not booked for the night, would be given to unhoused county residents for that night. So they collected signatures and got it on the ballot. The voters of LA County will make their decision in March of 2024. Okay, so on one side, 
The argument is that, look, there are 60,000 people experiencing homelessness in LA County and 20,000 unsold hotel rooms every night. So this helps close that gap. What are some of the other arguments, both pro and con? And just tell me everything. I want to hear it. Well, I hate to do this, but I have to correct you. Okay, do, please. It's not the county of Los Angeles. It is the city of Los Angeles. And there's a big difference between the two. City Los Angeles got a petition at their city council meeting, and they had to put it before the council. Okay. They decided to put it out to a ballot initiative in 2024 for hotels within the city limits of Los Angeles to take in the homeless, uh, unsold hotel rooms. So you had that right, but it is strictly the city of Los Angeles. City of Los Angeles, by square miles, is either the largest city in the nation or the number two largest city in the nation. I'm going to go, because I'm California, I'm going to say it's the largest city in the nation. And it's far more than downtown LA, the Wilshire Corridor, East LA, it's San Fernando Valley, various other areas as well. So you've got everything from the mom and pop, small business hotel owner, to the bigger, you know, corporations that own some of the the larger flagged hotels in, in, say, LA Live, okay? So by putting this out to a ballot measure, and if it passes, uh, hotels will get a voucher and they will have to take people in and they cannot segregate them to a floor. They can't, you know, put them off in a corner. It's still wherever there's a room, that's where they're going to go. So why is that a bad thing? Well, okay. One, first and foremost, Anybody who's on the street needs to be taken care of. They need help. But a hotel is not the place for it. One, you're putting your associates on site in danger because they are not trained if something goes awry. Two, you're putting your guests in danger if something goes awry. So this was just a bad idea. We do need more facilities, but it's more than putting a roof over somebody's head. It is, you've got to bring in the mental health, the physical health, and everything else that goes with that job training. Drug treatment. Yeah, all of it. I mean, um, there's a lot of components of that, and a hotel is simply not the place for it. Now, every week, whether it's Urbanize LA or another news outlet here, I'm reading about a new facility that is broken ground as a shelter. Um, I'm hearing about more money being raised. The state of California spent over $60 million acquiring old, outdated motels, basically, uh, to to, uh, house the homeless. So that's a start. But to put this into the mix of an operating hotel, you're putting everybody in danger. Especially the people who make the least amount of money. So here's what I want to know. One thing that I read as I was researching this was there is at least a contention that this proposal from Unite Here is a negotiation tactic that 
you know, it's intended to be out there in the ether, they can withdraw it before March of 2024 when it comes up for a vote. And so that 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 is part of the lever of negotiating contracts that come up between now and then. Any truth to that that you know? I I believe there is. They've they've denied that. Um, I don't know how they can. Um, you know, they're also trying to unionize every hotel in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, no matter if it's a 30 room independent or, you know, everything over 500 rooms is unionized already. Now, I think that number's dropped down to 200, 250. And now they're trying to get, get down to the mom and pops organization, you know, hotels as well. I, I think there is a lot of truth to that. I also found it very interesting that the person who set this up and got people out to collect signatures and the petition and took it to the city council. Uh, as soon as they put it to vote to go to a ballot measure, he was on a plane to Hawaii. We like to make sure that our listeners come away from every single episode of Top Floor with some practical, specific tips for things they can try in their businesses and their personal lives. If I'm an investor and I'm looking to put some money somewhere, maybe park some money, is now a good time to invest in hotels? I think it's always a good time to invest in hotels. The market is always going to be changing. I think if you have to refinance because your loan's coming due or something else, you got a construction loan you need to get out of, not the best time. Interest rates have gone up. No doubt about that. But I think if you are buying an asset right now, and I, I, don't, I don't want to touch on the distressed asset because we're not there yet, and we still need to know what the CMBS market's going to do and various others. I always think it's a great time. Know your owner operator. You know, know who's going to be the on-site management team. You know, know their track record. I think it's always a good time to invest in a hotel. In addition to your primary residence in California, you have a house in Hawaii. I'm dying to know what advice you would give to someone who is considering investing in a vacation home that's several hours, or in your case, an ocean away from where you live. Like, What are some of the particular challenges or or suggestions you would have for that situation? Again, know the market, uh, understand it understand that the Aloha State is a very expensive state. Everything is shipped in, okay? Uh, That single roll of paper towels that you're holding in your hand is now like $5, okay? You know, so when I bought my place, I bought it with the intent to retire and do limited uh, rental vacation rentals on it. Now it is, and I, I, I think I would be a hypocrite if I said I put it on VRBO or Airbnb, and I don't. I do not use those services. Why does that make you a hypocrite? Uh, because I'm in the hotel business, and I just don't think I, I, I just don't agree with it. I did fire life safety and number of other things. Uh, my place was built and taxed as a hotel slash condominium. Okay. So I pay more in taxes. I pay more in fire life safety. I pay more for insurance. And I am one of, I think, six units that has a 750 square foot roof deck. So I've got great views. I'm a hundred yards from a beautiful crescent shaped beach and the complex has got 90 units and you can either live there or you can do vacation rentals. 
So it was set up to do both. In my case, I bought it to live in it at some point in time. Being an ocean away is difficult. Something happens. It's always bad timing. (laughs) People have a tendency of leaving their common sense at baggage claim. And that's so well put. I love that statement. I've never seen pots and pans scorched like I have in my place. Okay. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. People are knocking back some daiquiris, right? Yeah, they're knocking back something. That's <laughs> it's it's the general wear and tear, and you know, it's you know the never-ending cleaning, deep cleanings, and and everything like a hotel. So I only do it for a limited amount of time, and I only let people stay there between ten days and twenty-eight days. That's it. I don't do the two, three day things. It just, it, it, it's just too much abuse. That's interesting. And do you feel like that helps cut back on sort of the crazy stuff that happens? Is there going to be there for either the two weeks or the, uh, or the, or the 28 days? And they have a tendency with those longer stays to be a tad more respectful. You know, and it's like, oh, I broke three glasses. I don't care. You know, I got to sweep it up because I don't have daily maid service. So they're a little bit more careful. All right. We have reached the fortune telling portion of the show. Now is the time that we're going to predict the future, maybe wave a magic wand or two, and then we'll come back later and see if we were right. So Craig, what is a prediction that you have about the next 12 months in hotel transactions? Good question. Um, <laughs> You're like, if I know that, I'm not telling you, Susan. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, love, I love predicting the future because very few people will remember what you said. I predict that all the major brands will launch a new flag. So, I mean, we've been, yeah, it seems like we've got to do one every month. So, That's a safe uh, bet, man. <laughs> safe bet. Um, I think lending is going to tighten up for the short term. Uh, I think if you are involved and have a relationship with a lender, I've got one that uh, we've used on some of our properties that you know I've been working with for 25 years. Okay, so we can weather bad storms because of those relationships. Okay, they trust us. They're also, you know, they control bank accounts that we put into that lending institution and everything else. But I think now is the time to get in front of your lenders. You know, things are going to be different, but there's also opportunities out there. It will take out some of the people that are looking to acquire, throw a coat of paint, new property management system and turn around and sell it for you know a bazillion dollars you know i think long-term holds are the way to go we don't buy something with the intent to sell it uh we've sold one asset and the others we're keeping it's about building generational wealth it's about you know having a team of associates at the property level and the corporate offices that can grow and work and hopefully you know if, if they want to open up their own business, you know, they've got the right tools to go do it. And I'll be the first one to invest with them. It's like, yeah, you know, they help me. I'm helping you. Absolutely. So, and I think it's got to come back to how we treat our guests and our, our associates. Uh, we are in the people business. As much as I like tech, there's certain things that we still need 
to provide. It's that smile. It's that warm welcome when a guest comes back. You know, a bigger warm welcome for a returning guest that's there like once a quarter, you know, things of that nature. I think there's a lot coming. You know, it's, you know, we're going to be rolling. We got midterms coming up. Everybody kind of takes that <gasps> pause. And then, you know, then we're going to get into a presidential election where we'll have another pause. So we'll see what happens there. All right. If you could wave a magic wand and change anything about the process of travel from a personal perspective, so not the industry, but the process that you go through when you're traveling, what would it be? Oh, yeah, that would get me into a lot of trouble. Just say it. Trouble's my middle name. I, You know what? I would go with an airline that has assigned seating. And I would always get a business or first class seat, especially on uh, coast to coast or California to Hawaii uh, flights. Being in economy, you know, it might be a little bit cheaper, but it is brutal, especially, you know, if you're getting there the day that you're supposed to have meetings. You know, it's if, if you're again, you know, I, I understand we're in a 24 seven business. Now, if I've got a meeting on Monday and I have to be in Chicago for a 10 a.m. or 1130 or noon lunch meeting, I'm flying in Sunday. OK, now my family's upset. I'm not around and, you know, all of that. So I just soon you know, take an early flight in the morning, be in business or first class and get there and be fairly relaxed and not turned into a human pretzel. See, I, economy doesn't bother me because I'm really short, but being really short is the thing about travel that I wish I could change because I like to carry on my luggage, but I cannot reach the bin. So if nobody around will help me, I have like a freaking panic attack every time. Like, okay, can I do this? Am I going to be able to reach it? Am I going to be able to get it in and get the thing shut without causing mass havoc across the plane? It's terrifying every single time. What is next for you? And what is next for Click? Wow. Okay. Next for me is I'm Personally, I'm probably going to be in Hawaii in November. Oh, are you excited? Because you haven't been since before the pandemic, right? Exactly. I haven't seen my house in three years. And I'm, again, getting back to our point earlier, I'm in the process of having some work done on it. So I really want to see it. Awesome. Uh, so spend a little time there, relax. Uh, but right now, we just wrapped filming our first four episodes of our seventh season of Click Connect all new guests. Um, it's just been, this season has just been, I, I think it's our best one yet. I think um, I've got an amazing producer, Danietta Leffler. Uh, she's the producer, the director, and the editor. She does everything. I just have to show up, smile, and nod, okay? Uh, and she's just amazing. And we've got some great guests. Well, all of our guests are great. I shouldn't say some. All of them are. And, but we're, we're touching on different things that we hadn't done in the past six years. So that's really exciting for me. So then we've got uh, California Craig, which are short reels, anywhere from 40 seconds to two minutes. We're showing off stuff in California. Uh, it's hotel travel and tourism. You know, starting in my backyard, Newport Beach. So we started off with Banana Wars, <laughs> two places on Balboa Island that serve frozen bananas. So 
Awesome. Uh, that's what we started with. And, yeah, and, and we bring in some of the history. Okay, folks, before we tell Craig goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Craig, what is a story you would only tell on the loading dock? You know, it would probably be at a conference. And one of those times where a group of people had way too many tequila shots after a long day on the trade floor at a conference and swapping stories and all that stuff. And they all get invited back to a suite, not knowing that that suite is shared with one of the most prolific hotel brokers in the state of California. And he's asleep. He's in his room asleep. And all these maniacs come in and start raiding the the, the bar and turning up the music and, and woke him up in the middle of the night. So, Oh, no. What happened? What did he do? He got dressed, came out, and said, get the hell out. <laughs> then he went to everybody's boss the next day and said, I want to file a complaint. Oh, my goodness. Joking about the complaint. Oh, that's good news. That sounds a little excessive. One of his founding partners, you know, because they were cutting back on costs, we were at the tail end of a cycle. So they were sharing a suite, two, two bedroom suite. And he invited all of us maniacs back, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's like follow the parade. Here we go. Yeah. So that's that, that was an interesting time. That was definitely interesting. Times when you're happy that social media didn't exist back in the day. (laughs) It wasn't much beyond flip phones, but, you know, yeah, it was not everybody had a uh, camera in their phone. Oh, thank God. Craig Sullivan, thank you so much for being here. I know that our listeners learned a lot about California, and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. It was my pleasure. I really enjoyed this. And, you know, I hope your listeners are interested in hotels in California. Thanks so much for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 58. Top Floor is produced by Don Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 